when I focus on my heart center, when I focus on my, what do I want in my life and what I need to show up and I ask for it routinely, I'm telling you, amazing people show up in my life. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to another conversation on your Badass Journey podcast. Today's guest is Neil Falora. He is a mindset and brain fitness coach. And what was awesome about today's conversation is that we geeked out and shared some amazing tips and tricks and methods on how you actually can maximize the life you truly want right now. What's great about Neil is that he shares his journey of how he realized that when he took control of his brain function, his neuroplasticity, and started to study brain science, he then was able to lose excess of 65 pounds, sleep during the evening as opposed to during the day, and heal some digestive issues that he was having. He helps his clients today by using this brain knowledge to alter abundance, build the right habits, and increase their happiness so that in their life, they can leverage what he has learned and helps them maximize the way they spend their time today and what they truly want and what they need to focus on to create that life that they truly desire. So you know all about that and you'll hear it in our conversation today. He is the founder of the Brain Warrior Method and you definitely need to connect with him because I truly believe that everybody needs to understand how strong you can live your life and how fulfilled and you know I'm all about fulfillment it can be when you decide and choose the brain function and the brain waves and the focus of creating that life that truly aligns what you love with what you do every single day. That's what Neil is also all about. And I cannot wait to share him with you. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome everybody to today's conversation on your Badass Journey podcast. I have Neil Valora with me. Welcome, Neil. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here today. You know, it's awesome to have you on the show, Neil, because I haven't had a conversation yet with one of my guests about true brain functionality, neuroplasticity, management, etc. And so I'm super excited to dive into what you're doing today with the brain warrior work you, you do. But before we get into where you are right now and what you're going after next, I would love for you in your own words to share your badass journey to date that got you here. So you could start as far back as you'd like, but I would really love our listeners to get to know you as you share your journey. Well, thank you for the opportunity and I appreciate that. So I do... I do think it's really important for my own journey to go back to 
actually the days in which my father blasted out of abject poverty. So he came from the base of the Himalayas from literally a dirt floor farm. And for somebody like him to go to veterinary school and come to the United States and get a PhD in genetics was just so out of his reach. So it's from that platform that I grew up while he was here in the States. My parents came to the States as immigrants and raised me with this sort of maverick-like thinking. It's like, what can you create? And so instead of bonding over football and other things, we bonded over ideas. And my dad would read me, get quotes out of Reader Digest and, and talk to me about things about mastering your mind and how your mind is like he would always make this funny analogy once more yummy bear ice cream sort of as as an addict and that you could be masterful over that so that sort of set me on a course throughout my whole life to find myself on the receiving end of high school through college I found myself in those positions quite a lot of the time and that, uh, of course, culminated in me uh, getting into medical school. And the sort of preemptive event here was is that I was in a couple years of medical school. And then I had something going on with my body that I couldn't really understand. And at the time, my preceptors weren't very receptive to what it was that I was going through. They were just like, you know, use some expletives because med school is not about being the smartest. It's about being hardcore. And just said, go back and study. You're just, it's all in your head. Well, and then, so what happened once you were in med school and you started to focus on, on your own health? How did that start to transform your life at that point? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, having anybody who's had lived life knows that nothing is a straight line. And I wish I could have said that uh, I found all my answers then, but they really didn't materialize. So I jumped from med school into some corporate careers uh, where I was in science roles and in business roles. And it took me a, a period of time, actually, until I sort of met my own wife. I went through some life coaching and have done some life coaching for the last uh, 10 years. And what it really came to be is that I was um, 65 pounds heavier than I am now. I was sleeping in a bed three to five hours a day. And I had, I had brain fog so thick, Karina, that I, I uh, came to the end of my neighborhood and I didn't know where I was or where I was going or how I got there. I thought I was early onset dementia. So mm. I had done all the functional things and now I was at my wits end at that point. Yeah, and, and so uh, even you were functioning, it sounds like highly functioning in this dysfunction, it sounds like. What was the trigger to really start to focus on doing something about it or knowing that you could actually have a different life? What happened there and, and what, was, what was that journey like? Yeah, so that's a, it's a brilliant way that you put that. I love that. It's the spirit of possibility. And maybe that is the thing that really carried me through at the end of the day and still carries me through is that even in the funk and what really was an uh, unlivable life and inability to perform some of the most basic functions, but still somehow I was functioning, I was seeking the help of doctors and naturopaths in different countries. And finally, a naturopath said to me, he said, hey, 
people like you who are intelligent, sometimes they don't heal. He said, I know somebody who started using their own brain and rewiring their brain to heal their lives. In about three or four months, he said, I couldn't even recognize who this guy was. Mm. So I just went and started researching. And what I found right underneath my nose, and that's just part of the thing that I often say to people is that the evidence you seek seeks you, right? So underneath my nose was this huge amount of data of all of these people that through different means were taking their own brains and taking chronic conditions, serious conditions, things that seemed incurable or basically undiagnosable by medicine and healing their bodies. And I couldn't sleep anyways. Most of the time was having severe insomnia. So I stayed up nights reading about all this and lightning just struck and it just came to me in a moment. I'm like, this has got to be it. Mm. Nothing else makes sense because uh, the kind of symptoms I have in medicine, you call them positive review of symptoms. I ha- you name a symptom, I had it. Mm. And the attempts to try and, um, I don't want to say fix, but make it better, <laughs> were more on the dietary side. Was it drug? Was it drug? prescriptions, like what was happening before you discovered that if you focused on your brain and your neuroplasticity, that that was the actual shift for you. So what, where, where were you at that point of searching and trying all, all sorts of other methods before this became the path that you started to hyper-focus on? Right. So I have in my pantry, still have a mini Whole Foods uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, section of supplements and tinctures and all of those things. And what I found repeatedly is, is that some things would work and some things provided me benefit, but then either they wouldn't work after a period of time or they just didn't have as much potency. Yeah. And so that gave me even more evidence to say that this is not something that is just about eating the right thing, although all those things are important and I wouldn't downplay that. I, I, I have done some very strict diets and they've been very beneficial. Sure. The main impetus was is that my brain is stuck in this fight or flight and mm. that that's not unique to me. As I branched out and learned about it, so many people, so much of our society is spent gearing ourselves to be in fight or flight all the time. And so being able to speak to parts of your brain in the way in which they can be heard, especially the limbic brain. The limbic brain is the emotional brain, and that functions as a two- to three-year-old. Yeah. The evidence that I give people often is like two or three weeks into a diet, usually, uh, presumably, most everyone has had a chance where they've dieted in some kind. You start to get these reactions. Your nose runs, and then your arm aches, and then you've got this weird shoulder pain, and, and you've got all this head trash. That is, that is the limbic system uh, and your body acting as the subconscious mind trying to unseat you and to keep you at the same neurochemical step, set point. And then the work to do on the limbic system that you learn through the brain methods that you're now hyper-focused on and able to share with others, what would be the way to approach changing that Um, brain behavior. Yeah, absolutely. So the principle is really simple. It's, it's the fact that emotions are the currency of the, of the brain and the body. The unfortunate part is, is as we, 
mature into adulthood, which that's its own, that's, that'll be its own podcast episode someday, <laughs> is that adult, adulthood is sort of this big fallacy, but we become emotionally constipated. So to rewire the brain, really what it takes is, is that you wire your memories, your experiences through emotion, your wedding day, your birth of your kids, your graduation, all of those memories are easy to come by. But it's also all of the things that were traumatic that's happened in your life the br- to the brain and the body. It doesn't ma- matter if it's happening really out here in the world or if you're remembering it. Physiologically and biologically, every time we go through the memory, it's the same to the body and the mm-hmm. brain. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And so we get, it, we get into these trauma loops and they become physical highways within your brain that begin to seek more evidence of the same. If you're always coming against financial failure, whenever you look out and you see your future, you look through that lens. So if you can flip that on its ass, um, if you will, then what that means is you can give the brain positive experiences, visualizations, basically, of things that happened in the past or things that will happen in the future. And honestly, it doesn't matter if the memory is really even yours or not. But then you can start to dose chemistry, dose by dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and epinephrine. You start to release that, and that creates new pathways and actually prunes the old pathways that are triggering for you, um, whatever they might be. Yeah, I like that. And then that's why you call it rewiring, um, because there's... It's not that we're not capable, it's that we just have connections that are false positives or creating higher stress in our body that need the rewiring in order to respond in a more uh, productive way. Is that the right way to kind of summarize a little bit of what you just shared? That's beautiful. That's that's spot on. And, And said even more simply is that, just think about it like this, is that if you have something that triggers you. And it might be the voice of your coworker. It might be um, going to your parents' house, whatever it is. If you can take that and immediately start associating it with a different visualization, a different emotion, you can start to basically file that down or, or flip the switch so that eventually that trigger will go away. And like you would, tri- like you would trim your hedges, you know, in the fall for next season, you're just literally pruning those old connections away. Yeah. And then creating an expansiveness, like an openness for the the true desired life you want. I mean, a, a lot of the time that the clarity on that vision already starts to sh- change the shape of our being, because then it gives you also a perspective of what's happening right now is only, I always love to say, it's only a small moment in your super huge life. And so you're able to then manage that trigger in a much more practical and usable way to actually create a life and experiences that you you want, as opposed to replaying trauma experiences that, or just just you know, even dysfunction. It's not like for me, for example, I, I like to equate back to a time where I felt like I got my own health management underway when I started to do the mind management around forgiveness and not mm-hmm. carrying carrying all the burden of all the pains of my life, thinking that that was my story. I had to make a choice to forgive all of that and design the story that I wanted to live in and, and create this journey that I'm on today. 
And I share that with my listeners all the time, but also in my coaching practice as well, where it's like those, those methods matter because when you put your head down on your pillow at night, and in your case, you weren't sleeping three to five hours. I'm curious how many hours you get today of sleep. Is it, is it more? Well, yes. I mean, I was sleeping in the bed three to five hours a day, but not sleeping at night. So I've, I've flipped the switch and I'm sleeping now much more at night. Right. Uh, being in an entrepreneur, yeah, be, absolutely. Being in an entrepreneurial phase and having a set of twins sometimes doesn't always give me <laughs> all the sleep I would like, but I'm definitely sleeping much better than I ever have slept in my life, so, which is amazing. And that yeah. is huge. That's huge. Yeah, the rewiring matters because when you put your head down on that pillow, you have to be the proudest of the life you have today uh, versus recounting the dysfunction. Like I literally remember, Neil, and I don't know if you went through this or, or had this ever happen to you, where at the end of the day, I recount what has happened. And I used to always recount all the fails, all the bad things. Like that was where my mind was at for a long time. And also my health was shit at the time too, <laughs> you know? So, and then when I started to learn the meditation and I started to to really, you know, impra- uh, practice forgiveness, but also celebrate my wins, like uh, trying that mind, you know, the mind management techniques that I use today. And I'm excited to learn some more from you about what else we can be doing. But it really, it really was a reflection of how I felt about my life. And then it started to show up in how my body was responding to those thoughts. So I love that you're bringing this topic up for our listeners to benefit from because there are methods to make it better. So tell us a little bit about in your journey, when you decided to create the Brain Warrior Method, what is that method all about? How did you, how did you start to encapsulate this into your practice? Sure, absolutely. And I love the way that you stated that and summarized that because really at the end of the day, Karine, that is what I'm really most excited and passionate about is that we get so addicted to our own echoes. We believe that our reactions and our emotions, we believe every thought that we have, right? Just be mm-hmm. able to separate yourself from the fact that you don't have to believe everything that you think. It's so funny that people are so cautious and don't want to drink somebody else's Kool-Aid and they're trying to shield themselves from other people's opinions and, and notions. Yet the script is running inside of us is completely unchecked, untethered. There's no Sherpa. There's no bouncer at the door. Mm -hmm. And so the brain warrior method is really hinged primarily. The first and foremost tenet is, is to be the Sherpa of your thoughts and, and, and feelings to be present with what's going on in your head and to create the space so that you can start to have separation between you and the biological you. And once you start having that space and you see, oh, my respiration is going up, I'm breathing from my chest, I'm feeling this way, and then I feel myself gnarling up inside, but there's a part of me that can be calm on this other side and observe it, you start to really run this beautiful race where now you have so many options to choose life differently. Yeah, and it's and it's amazing because it, it it needs to be a method. So I love that you call it the brain warrior method because methods are meant to be repeated, right? Like right. It, it, it's not it's not a one time one hit wonder situation <laughs> when you're trying to create transformation. 
Oh, if you if you have the recipe for that, let me know. We will. We'll I know. Together, so. <laughs> we totally would. <laughs> so tell me, how do you share this method with your clients? Like, are are you working one on one with your clients? Do you do? You, I know you don't. You don't talk from a stage. Like, what what is your method of connection and really spreading the method that you've now created and helping people with? What I what I enjoy most is the one-on-one coaching. And I really, really, my, well, who I'm looking for are leaders. Um, I've done, I have helped influential athletes. I've helped uh, senior and executive suite clients as well. And, and what I do is I, one-on-one, I then share sort of the, the steps and the guide them through the process because this is not a DIY sort of thing. And mm-hmm. my goal is if I can impact them, and I do, then they can go and be explosive for many more people as their best version of themselves and pass that influence and that transformation on down the line. So that's where working one-on-one with people. I do some corporate trainings as well, Mm -hmm. where I will do um, a couple half days or full day, and then I do a mastermind six to eight weeks on the back end to keep reinforcing. And the thing that I would say is is the most powerful version a powerful point in all this is the storytelling. So imagine that your brain is the most powerful storyteller that you have and if you give it just a few facts without detail without the other details it will start to fill this in. Think about any time that you sent an email or tried to contact someone and they didn't follow up. What do we what do you, we start immediately doing? Oh, you think you've been rejected or, or they don't care or you're not good enough. Okay. Self-deprecating <laughs> mind language tends to, to creep in. Oh, beautiful word. Self-deprecating. I thought I was the only nerd. That said that. <laughs> I'm with you. We're in the same nerd pool, my friend. It's all good. <laughs> we are. We are. Let me push my glasses up a little bit here. Uh, so... Yes, self is so, so beautifully put. And that's exactly it. We default to that. But yeah. every time, every time I go back and investigate why somebody didn't, it was none of those reasons. It was something so benign. Right. So, so we know that the brain is a powerful storyteller and it wants, to, it, it wants to tell the story. So when you get conscious of that and then you start to be the author, as I like to say, and curate your own stories or feed the brain questions, which is one of my favorite techniques um, mm-hmm. and tips, is you start asking it why questions. Yeah. So I adopted this from a professor who was do- using it for something different to improve test scores. But So we're always asking ourselves, why don't I have enough clients? Why don't I have enough money? Why am I not good looking enough? You just start asking the opposite questions. Why do I have so many clients? Why do things always work out for me? Why are yeah. people so eager to get in touch with me? And if you do this on a repeat basis, your brain, because of the way it's biologically restructured, there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system, and nobody needs to memorize that. It is the part of your brain that will filter your, what's coming into your brain based on how you're thinking. Yeah. And it creates a positive or a negative charge, right? Right. You go go shop for a car and you look at a, bl- a blue Toyota and you start driving around and what do you see everywhere all of a sudden? Right. Blue Toyotas everywhere. So were yeah. they always, were they, did they drive 60 blue Toyotas around you or were they always there? The point is, is that we have no idea 
how much we're filtering out. If your cortical brain is only taking in 50 bits of information and your subconscious brain is taking in 50 billion and you're not aware of it, guess which one you're operating on? Yeah. The unconscious brain, 98% of the time. Yeah, it's, it's what you focus on, you find. You know, that's the, the one I, yeah. I, I love to repeat. And then, and then it's also the, that method of, of I learned recently um, just to leverage the word, of course. Like I, I just made it super simple. It's like, of course, I'm going to, you know, seven figures is going to come into my business this year. Of course, that relationship is going to be the most passionate and emotionally um, charged and exciting I've ever had. And, and started to use that word, of course, because it, it, it made it more certain, but also possible, even though I may have been thinking previously the complete opposite in a negative way. And as soon as I put the word of course in front of it, 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 it then started to create this additional energy for me. Uh, so I like that, that there are simple practical methods in, in, the, in the work you do. What were you going to say? So I, lo- I love that, of course. And what I would um, love to add to, to add to what is a brilliant statement already is, is that one of the things that I even challenge my clients on is not to celebrate their wins like there's some kind of anomalous lottery that mm. just happened to them one time, right? We because yeah. even in our even in our wins, we don't own, we don't end up owning them. Yeah, uh, we end up we ended up giving them to some mystical force that somehow took the time to anoint us in some brief moment in time, and then <laughs> we'll never come back again. It's like that win is like you know I I, I love it, I'm happy, but uh, I'm just going to borrow your language now. I love this. But of course, that would show up in my life because that's who I am and what I'm about, right? Right. Yeah, it's not just the universe providing, right? Like it, it's that grounding in self that you're the one that's manifesting this for you because that's how you are showing up every single day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of my other favorite uh, favorite techniques is to have people adopt a lifestyle where they're thinking and feeling greater than they are. Mm. So in a sort of Dispensian, Joe Dispensian model, he talks sometimes a little bit about living in the past. And so what I take that is a step further. And in, in what I say is, is that if you're going to create a new result, you need to create the version of you out ahead of the result. And the way yeah. in which I ask people to do that is to take on this idea of thinking and feeling greater than you are. And it's not a matter of wishful thinking. It's a matter of what I like to call, I base a lot of my truths off the things that my kids display because kids actually have, my kids are actually masters of energy and motion, but it's playing make-believe, but you're being a make-believer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're being a make-believer. And in fact, that, that, that skill set of make-believe is one of the most critical components because every amazing idea that's out there, Bitcoin, Microsoft, the things that Warren Buffett has done, they were all Disney. They were all just something make-believe in their heads that came to fruition because they believe so passionately. And we want to attribute it to something else like skill or looks or privilege. Yeah, and and uh, or even so in some cases the right to have it. Like there's 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 so many lines that create a confusing story that 
it in taking that control of what is the story you want to have, visualizing it and seeing that version of yourself. I always like to, I, I share with the version control, like even on, right today on our iOS phones, there's like version, you know, 12.1 dot whatever, right? And that's, yes. for, that's how the iPhone shows up today. Someone is developing the next version that they had a vision for and they're constantly uploading and we're getting new versions of it, of how we show up. Our lives and how we lead it is exactly the same. It's like we, if you can picture that product version of yourself in that future state, then that is what you're going to target towards. And every single action, emotion, connection is leading you towards that version. And you constantly have to have that additional time and focus on the even next version, whatever that looks like, because we get to guide that. That's what I love as the privilege of being an adult is that we could choose to play when we want to play. And then we could choose to create the versions of ourselves that we want to be. It is always a choice. And so it's awesome that you're you're helping people realize that through your methods. And you mentioned Joe Dispenza, who's like, you know, an amazing story around how he healed his body, mm. how he mm. now helps so many and the ripple effect of that. I have two friends right now. They're at his week event going on um, right now, his training. And mm-hmm. their posts have been hilarious around because you could tell they've been in this other plane, other dimension because they're doing the work mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of hanging out in that space of visualization that I, I cannot wait to see the ripple effect of their work now coming out of that. Yeah, yeah. That my, my, my goal is to go early next year and do a week-long week long event as well. But I... I Wow, I, I'm so glad that we're able to connect over here because we truly are cut from m- much of the same cloth because I often say that we sh- need to upgrade our operating software and I, I use this. I say human operating system 1.0 is shit happens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because our, brain, our brains are negatively biased. I mean, our lizard brain, that's just the way it is. When people say, I don't judge, they're lying. Right. Everybody judges. You, ha- you have to judge. It's for your safety. It's what we do naturally. But 2.0 says, two, a version 2.0 says, you know what? All of my actions, all, all of the things that I see fully support the evidence of my own magnificence, right? And so mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an operating system that, that I encourage my clients to upgrade to because we, I get them out of this idea of it's negative versus positive. Even emotions, the only reason yeah. that we, we attach to... Uh, meanings to emotions because we have them. But if we could have a negative emotion, if we could have a, a anger or a sadness or whatever else without the meaning attached, we'd have a true catch and release program where we could mm-hmm. use the emotion for whatever it needs, let it run its through a body, and then like a fish that you catch, just release it back out into the wild instead of hanging on to it and letting it bleed out slowly over decades. <laughs> going back to the idea of being emotionally constipated. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I love that term. I wrote it down too because it's brilliant. It's like, a, it's such a great way to conceptualize what actually happens. I think, I'm curious though in your work, because what came up for me as you were talking is we are taught to um, express what we're feeling at a young age. And you now have two young twins at home, right? Like going Uh through Uh their development. And I'm curious with the work you've done and when it is about expression, how are you helping them translate what they actually are feeling 
and kind of moving through it in a, in a more fluid way based on your learnings. Oh, you're going to get me tearing up now. So, cause I love to talk about this, but my kids, um, they're like cosmic wanderers that I have had the privilege to come and they park themselves in my life and they've given me such an opportunity to, they mirror out my, my genetics, of course. So then I have the opportunity to either hate myself more and come down on them mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> or to happen. actually accept ex- or accept myself and open up the space. And so what I do with them is I do part of the storytelling. They fall down and they get upset. And then I tell them a story, a very factual story to get them out of limbic brain, out of the emotional brain, into the thinking brain. And um, I'll just have to tell two quick stories. I was telling my son that he was having a real, it was a very unusual 45 minutes of emotion. And I just kept with him and I placed my hand on his heart. I just kept telling him the story and letting him know he was safe. And we were driving back and he was a little bit over two. So he wasn't speaking. I mean, they spoke fairly young. And uh, I, I started hearing him mumble something and I got everybody else in the, co- in the car quiet and I hear him back there saying, I fell down. He said, I hurt myself. Daddy came. He loved me. Now I safe. But I okay. No. And I tell you what, I, the, the, like the goosebumps yeah, and the I, just I was just like, oh. I was like, oh my God, he gets it. He yeah. gets it at two years old. He completely understands. All, and he's sitting there self-soothing himself with this story, letting himself know that he's okay. And yeah. so when my kids have emotions, and I'm no perfect parent by any means, but what I do is that I find a space of neutrality. Me being neutral and being open and not interpreting their reaction from my adult jadedness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, they're acting like this because they just want to be a little blankety blank. And I just often what I say to them, I say to them, okay, what's going on? What are you feeling? And I get them talking about their feelings. I feel sad. So why are you feeling sad? And so I get them in a dialogue about it. And then I'm saying, it's okay to feel sad. We just don't want to stay sad all all, all night. So if you need to be sad, be sad right now. And, And let's just be okay with being sad. And so, um, and, 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 uh, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. I, I don't want to go down because I could talk all day about that, but kids, um, the, the, all, all I would say is, is, and I don't lead with this because honestly, because I wouldn't get any clients this way. At least I don't feel like it, but the, the principles that I get people back to is to getting in back in touch with their five-year-old self and sure. learning how to be that dreamer, that make-believer, that master of energy and emotion. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's perfectly great to say that that's part of the practice only because most people are uh, reacting based on an emotional trauma or the way that was acceptable uh, from their childhood. I mean, that's where we learn it initially and then we carry it and, and, uh, into our adult life. And then if we don't take the time mm. to rewire it, that, that is the level of learning and and response that we have been taught. I mean, I use it in my own practice too sometimes, but I also would say that as a, as a coach and, and a leader and an entrepreneur, everybody I meet, I see them for where they are right now, but I also know that there's an innocence in how they're showing up, similar to how we see children in that, let's just, let just be accepting of how they choose to be. And then 
use the, the language, right, to articulate it and then navigate where it's the best next place they want to go. And I think that empathy and as well as an expansive approach, if you treated everybody like that hurt child, like when your son got hurt, you help them have a story and, and express themselves better, we would have much deeper connections in the work we're doing today um, in our daily lives and the relationships we choose to have if you could approach it that way. So most of us are reacting from a place in our past. Most of my self-deprecating years were all from what I learned in my past because that was taught to me. You know, like that wasn't that wasn't something I came out of the womb with. Like I hate myself, you know, like that's not, you know, with jazz hands coming out. Like that's not that's not who we are. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's learned over time. And I think so I think the regression work is important to then retell the story to yourself. For how you want to show up today. Yes, that's beautiful. Yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. And and, you know, to take it to what some people might consider utopian, but I don't at all. Part of my worldview on this work is is that all of the strife that we have on this planet is really about if we're judging and basing our actions actions if 98% of your actions are coming from the subconscious brain so that we're really not in free will we're reacting and you and I both have said that all of those patternings are those of the past so all of the strife that we see here is is the manifestation of this inner conflict that we have with ourselves and that's you know often why i say is that if you if you know your way nobody can be in it Right. And, and yeah. that way is that way in the traditional, the traditional materialistic way is that somebody is standing in my way. Something is standing in my way. It's external factors. And so then we spend a lifetime trying to squirrel away, squirrel away resources in order just to survive rather than thriving from the limitless bounty that is within us. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's the asking yourself that question of, who do I have to be to show up in the life I truly desire? And, and being that self-reflective person to know that you are in control, you have a choice, and in, it's just learning those methods to help propel you forward. And then surrounding yourself with like-minded thinkers. I'm curious for you, Neil, because this is such a, you know, obviously you and I can geek out for hours and we get it. Um, <laughs> but, but how do you make sure that you're surrounding yourself also with, you know, your tribe of folks thinking this way? Because I think that is an important evolution that occurs when you get it for yourself and you've shared with so many people, you know, through your practice on this work. But what does that look like for you in the sense of community, society? How does that work out? Mm, no wonder you have such a great podcast. You ask amazing questions. So, um, yeah, it's a w- well put, my friend. So, one of the so one of the things that I began to notice, and my wife began to notice, because she is a partner, she has her own sage brilliance, and we discuss these things as a partnership. Is that we saw our landscape, our social professional landscape, start to change, and um, there is a book you're. Uh, you're a badass. You're a badass. You're a badass. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't think of yeah. the title properly. That's okay. Mixing it up with, and she talks about the fact that there becomes a period where you start to see this 
Sahara-like conditions of your networking and your friends. And we thought initially as the victim story runs, it's like, why does nobody want to be in touch with me? And then we began to realize that we're up-leveling, I'm up-leveling, and that the forces are realigning. And so now what I see happen is, is when I focus on my heart center, when I focus on my, what do I want in my life and what I need to show up, and I ask for it routinely, I'm telling you, amazing people show up in my life. And for years now, Brandy and I also have said, we have very little, really no drama in our lives um, because that's kind of just how we have it. What yeah. I would, I'm always really transparent with my, with my clients and in my videos because nothing is perfect. The thing that I still am working on developing is how do I, how do I really develop a network of people that I have a lot of social, uh, professional social relationships, but people just that are in my adjacent proximity where I can hang out and just do hang out with and, and do things with because this four word this four letter word busy sort of takes down this idea of true relationships that we can have, right? Everybody's busy and so then there's not a time to be in true relationship status, which is where your nervous system gets fed anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to lean into the effectiveness and fulfillment as like the two key forms of measure in my practice Mm -hmm. um, in -hmm. order to then assess, am I going into the right arenas? Like, is this effective for me in in the impacts I want to have? Am I being fulfilled by the actions I'm taking and and who I'm surrounding myself with? And Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. that um, you're talking about the up-leveling that occurs when when you move into more of a conscious uh, state of being that allows you then to attract that consciousness back to you. And, and again, I love that you said you're now in the, in the no drama zone because it literally, I remember when I realized that for myself, where I was like, oh my God, I'm not expending energy anymore on nonsense. Like that feels amazing. <laughs> like this was actually a choice. Like what? You know? <laughs> so I got so pumped about it because then it meant that I was really truly walking the talk and reflecting in my actions what I truly wanted for myself. And and so I love that that's where you are now in your journey with your wife as you're building this business and as you're attracting that network in. I'm honored that you're in my network and I get to share you with my listeners because I know that the Brain Warrior Method has an immense impact for everyday, everyday application, but also if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a leader, and if you are going, especially if you're going through any sort of transition, this is the time to really maximize how your brain is functioning in order to make that transition the highest impact for yourself. So I want to thank you, Neil, for sharing a piece of you with us today. And of course, we can have multiple episodes if you'd like, because <laughs> I'm all about more, com- more conversations around this topic. Um, but before, before we close out today's conversation, we'd let people know how best to connect with you as they have questions or if they want to work with you one-on-one. How would you like them to connect with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at the Brain Warrior. Or you can email me at my first name, Neil, N-E-A-L, at thebrainwarrior.com. 
those would be the easiest ways to get in touch with me. And if, uh, yes, if people are interested, please reach out. I love connecting. That's amazing. And then the way I like to close out our conversations to ask this final question. Are you ready? I am. (laughs) Um, uh, How do you define what a badass is? So the way that I define a badass in, in my book is somebody who has reached a place in their, in their journey where the things that they want in their life are just palpable. You just know that you just know that about them. Oh, you no longer have to profess or advertise or whatever else is that when they walk into a room and you spend time with that person and their energy, even hanging out in silence or just in conversation, you're like, wow, that person seems to have this flow, this cadence, this ease of life that is unbelievable. And their state of joy and fulfillment and whatever they're doing is amazing. I want some of that. How do I get there? That is a badass to me. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Neil. And uh, thank you listeners for joining us. Please post your review at the end of this and definitely connect with Neil if you're looking for that brain management work and pick up the methods that he is sharing with all of you today. I know you benefited from this conversation as much as I did. Until the next episode. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening. 